You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello everyone, welcome back to Backstage Talk. Today's guest is Philip David Stern. He has composed original music, scores and orchestrations for live theater, film, television, concerts and dance. He is also the founder of New York Stage Originals, a company dedicated to creating new stage theatricals. His latest work is Stonecrossed. This musical tells the story of two young lovers whose lives are changed forever when they inadvertently cross the divide. Falling instantly in love, Stoney and Jewel discover that they are more the same than they are different, despite what they have been taught to believe and start to question what has been painted in stone. Will these stone-crossed lovers choose a shorter life together over a longer life apart? We only have to see it on stage to know. The 2021 studio concept album features Broadway favorites such as Antonio Cipriano, Christina Labato, Alex Boniello, Celia Rose Gooding, and Telly Leung, among other amazing artists. Philip, it is an honor to have you over. Welcome to Backstage Talk. Great. Thank you for having me. So great to be here. Um, first, Philip, I, will, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, how you ended up in theater, and yes, basically who you are and all your work, because you have a lot under your belt. Yeah, I've, I have a very uh, um, sort of eclectic, um, diverse background, and um, that was purely by chance. Um, I... Uh, started in Canada. I'm Canadian and American, um, but I started in Canada as um, really studying as a youngster um, classical composition at uh, the Royal Conservatory in Toronto and mm -hmm. under Samuel, uh, Samuel Dolan, who, who's a Canadian. Uh, he's really, was a serial 12-tone um, composer. Um, and I kind of fell into pop sort of on the side with bands as, as all kids do and as we I, all do at some point yeah. <laughs> that's right everyone has been in a band um and so i was in a band and i was writing songs or what i thought were songs um <laughs> and that's another subject right what is a song um so uh i actually um at 20 years old, I wrote a, a song for Toronto called Toronto's You and Me. And that was, uh, and it won a Toronto Song Contest. And that was kind of my first song I kind of, um, that was out there. Um, and so I was kind of straddling songwriting and classical composition because at the same time, I started writing small little symphonic things. Okay. Uh, so th that's kind of my Canadian sort of side was that. And I started writing um, later on for film and TV. Um, so uh, and I didn't really I wasn't I have to say I've not really been 
I'm not one of those people who says, oh, yeah, I was, you know, taken to Broadway shows and as a kid. And, and that's how I learned it. And as I, I actually never really thought too much about musical theater as growing up. And I, I knew about it. I went to like funny thing happens on the way to the forum. Mm -hmm. I love I know I love guys and dolls. I um, I joined a cabaret and, and sang in a cabaret. But my it was kind of peripheral, my my musical theater background. It was kind of not something I was seeking. And and so when we moved to New York, I, um, you know, I thought about studying jazz. So I did the BMI Jazz Composers Workshop and and still was not really in musical theater. I was still kind of, I did some film and TV work and uh, such. Uh, but my first musical that I did was a version of A Christmas Carol called Scrooge. And mm -hmm. we did that. That was a 40 minute one act thing that I later expanded into two acts to be a full um, kind of concert, almost oratorio musical theater, a very weird hybrid because, and I say it's kind of weird hybrid because I didn't really come up with the tradition, come into the tradition as a lot of the musical theater composers do at all. I didn't really, when I wrote Scrooge, I, the producer at first we thought, that it was supposed to be a ballet. Mm -hmm. So I had all these like mot motifs and, and I was like sort of developing it like motivically, not thinking, yeah. oh, song, 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 song. I, I saw, and so then when the producer said, no, no, this should be a musical. I said, what? Okay. So I went back and I used some of those motifs. <laughs> so um, it kind of is this very strange hybrid, this first musical I wrote of being um, more of an orchestral um, recap, recapitulation of mot motivic um, elements. And so over the years with Scrooge, because it, it kind of found a little bit of an audience and we started touring it, mm -hmm. I started, oh, okay, musical theater should have actual songs. Like, where? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually started developing it into more um with more spots where there was actual you know um um moments emotionally heightened moments that needed song so it does have two or three actual songs in mm -hmm. it but most of all scrooge is a very unusual um and i think i i don't think i could write it again if i tried um and i think that's kind of cool because you people get all these ideas of what a musical is supposed to be. And I had yeah. no idea what a musical was supposed to be. <laughs> and so I think I could never write in that way again, because it's kind of being, you know, okay, you got to have a want song. You got to have this and this, this is what makes a musical. So I think it was really interesting for me that I didn't come up with, come into that tradition. That may be a really bad thing because, you know, I think it, um, it can make, the struggle harder you know when you're trying to write a musical when you don't really when you haven't really studied the form mm -hmm. so i came to it in that way through jazz music through classical music um and writing um sort of from the outside of the industry i wasn't really in, inside with you know um uh with folks who i could you know call on to say you know you know what how do i approach this. So I was kind of coming at it from this filmic um, motivic thing. So 
over the years, like we started this company, my wife, Lisa, and I, um, Lisa Hopkins, and we started this company called New York Stage Originals, and we, we started touring Scrooge, and then we created a tap dance show called Tap Kids, and I started developing other stuff that could be toured. I, I created Midsummer Night Stream called Dream, and slowly I kind of was kind of, cause, because we were living in New York, you know, kind of seeing more shows. Mm -hmm. And getting more used to the form um, and sort of developing more what is kind of um, what I would say is more expected, I guess, or not expected, but like more a more traditional of... sound for musical theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I and that saying that with a grain of salt, because like we all know, that can be many things Yeah. like. Um, and so, uh, but with the, with the, con with the construct of, you know, um, you know, this, the, uh, more of more thinking in, in terms of the actual structure, mm -hmm. being able to, you know, think about points in musically where, um, you know, a song is warranted or, um, so anyway, uh, I, um, I'm trying to lead up to Stonecross here, how that happened. I wrote a show called Young Dr. Jekyll. Actually, Dream. Oh, let's go back to Dream because I started doing the workshop here up in Vermont and went great. Um, and with with students, high school students mm -hmm. and college students. And then we said, oh, let's do another workshop. Let's do our Young Dr. Jekyll. And um, so I had to show Young Dr. Jekyll. And I found it like oh, we have to write a whole big group number now because we have this whole group of kids who needs new material. So um, started started kind of changing the, the piece a bit to fit like this group of kids so they'd have stuff to do and stuff to dig their teeth into. Um, and so after that production, I thought to myself, wow, it's really challenging to find material that's diverse, has a message, um so and and can have like enough interesting characters to kind of um keep everyone's interest and involvement in the show um as actors so they can mm -hmm. so they have a lot of material so i started after that young dr jekyll experience i started well i should create create something that is colorful is is has a message, a universal message, um, can can be cast with with a universal cast, um, and then I started thinking, well, I should put it, you know, back somewhere with an open palette um, in a time frame that's, you know, we don't really know much about. Mm -hmm. That's very simple. Um, so I thought of the, you know, the back in back in the Stone Ages would be a, a great. Sort a great of. time and space for this for this open palette exactly for this a world that seems in our minds sort of simple mm -hmm. um but yet i wanted to create a space where the environment the earth was a part of the story and where the earth could be a metaphor for stuff going on today so the earth the the story has this fault line which divides the two sides and that's kind of like the the west side story kind of thing mm -hmm. romeo and juliet um yeah. 
And the earth kind of speaks in the show. There rumbles and there's also a glacier that's melting. Um, uh, uh, it gets upset. Um, they all think it gets upset. Um, and so I wanted to sort of create an atmospheric metaphor for as a character and and I felt like you know if if you can put it in a rocky landscape where where weather it's it's hot in the day it's cold at night mm -hmm. and extreme temperatures and they're all struggling to survive to 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 find food um and so that's kind of was the sort of uh place and I and I, I and then the Romeo and Juliet <clears throat> structure felt so natural mm -hmm. for the show yeah. to have you know stony and jewel and they're all the characters are named after rocks like basalt and feldspar um i guess i in my in hindsight i could have delved deeper into the character names um i was trying to kind of create sort of character um metaphors for their you know for their names for their like what a you know, what type of stone is basalt? What type of stone is feldspar? Um, pumice is another, you know, character, side mm -hmm. character. So um, so they're all named after rocks. And we have a quartet of lovers. The two, uh, Stoney wanders across the fault line and um, meets Jewel. But he is not supposed to go across the fault line. So the whole, the whole thematic element is about asking questions. So he... They, when they meet each other, they question why they can't kiss. They, they start to question and they take a chance because they've been told they'll get a disease if they, if then they, they might die, if they die. And um, the disease thing was actually pre-COVID. I, you know, no idea that that would, you know, there would be this pandemic going on. So that's but, either a good, good or bad thing. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> but it, it, it just fits into the the musical. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so yeah. So um, do you want me to continue talking about that? The, the, the kind of this sort of storyline thematic stuff, or do you have I actually want to go a little bit back into the, the creative process of where, where did you actually like start? Did you start with music or did you start with the book or because you just said that you started uh, thinking about this time and space in which it could fit any cast. And it yes. could be performed by any performer. So yeah, yeah that that and, is my question yeah. on on the creative process. Yeah. Um. So, I started actually, and I'm trying to think back. This is 2018. I think I started looking at. I started looking at how how Romeo and Juliet would be in the Stone Ages. And so I started just plotting. I really actually started plotting out the book first, which is kind of unusual for me because I'm sort of one to like go on the keyboard and like slam out, oh, cool melodies and, you know, and sort of start in the wrong spot. So I actually tried to tell, to sort of discipline myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like being a musician, like the, the normal thought process would be music first, story later. Oh. Yeah. So for for this for Stone Cross, the challenge was the other way around. You started by the story and then started playing music. Yeah, I started with the story and I started sort of 
thinking of the characters and who they were and what this world was like and um what you know and then i started thinking about um i started actually thinking about their that they have these human traits that we like um you know like we hear about how europeans came to north america and they wiped out all the buffalo mm -hmm. and it seems to be this pattern of causing extinction so i i thought i going back in time in my head they they got rid of the woolly mammoth and so they were hunting mice all that was left are mice so in fact this the show used to begin with a song <laughs> called it was just mice and they were mice mice <laughs> so bad okay so anyway so so as you'll hear the um the, the beginning changed a lot it um it was the beginning used to be more about the struggle for survival and that's how they crossed the fault line because they were hunting and cr hunting each, each other's um territory though stony the main, main character ends up being a vegan <laughs> he's a herbivore yeah. and his father is like how did this ever happen my son he's a herbivore <laughs> um so you in and that, john rua sings that song um a father's job he's trying to teach him how to hunt so yeah so my creative process began with the book and then in the summer of 2019 i really started just sketching motivically and I actually tried not to write songs per se. And I guess I was going back to my old sort of ideas of like motivic development. So I had this opening theme idea, this kind of world sort of on the verge of like something like lava and steam and stuff. Um, and I started developing motivic themes and those slowly morphed into songs like Stoney's I want song is really the same as Tony's in West Side Story. He something's out there. Mm -hmm. So he sings in um, in the second piece, he sings um, just out of reach where every everything he doesn't know what's there in front of him. It's all out of reach. I, I, I you know, I can see it. I can, you know, but it just slips away. Um, and that harkens back to this being a coming of age story coming of age stone age story really that's what this this musical another thematic element i kept thinking about was um this coming of age and stone age so i start i, I started writing that and similarly plotting um his about his co his best buddy tough who has a condition he doesn't sweat he is a panter, so he had never known what it's like to sweat, but he drools everywhere. And that's um, where you, you you inserted the the late motif of um, da da dee da da is really kind of cool. I, yeah, I, that, I that's in, yeah, that's in, in, in one. I think it's like the third or fourth song, and I loved it. Oh, great! Yeah, and that's really um, where, as as a writer, I start started wondering about tone and and how far one can go because the show does get really serious mm -hmm. in the second act. Yeah. Stoney has this whole like operatic um, mm -hmm. pop operatic thing at the end where he's mourning 
uh, Scrooge, oh, Scrooge, I'm in Jewel. (laughs) 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 That's interesting. Um, So it's interesting tone wise, I think, and I'm always learning and I feel like I, I, it's all that shaping like sculpting, Mm -hmm. knowing how, if the sculpture works, like when you're adding something that becomes kind of lighter and sillier and do you know what i mean like i started to Mm -hmm. wonder that's one piece that i wonder along with number 10 magma drama if the tone was getting too young sounding Mm -hmm. and i don't think that's a bad thing i just i was worrying more about is it consistent is it consistent enough or do i need and then you go do i need to even worry about that this is musical theater Mm -hmm. you know anything goes right um or does it so i um so when I started writing pieces like that, I really sort of was trying to think about um, the character arcs of all the, the, the characters, like tough, and telling the story and in, involve like keeping keeping the story moving with a side character too, because he's a really I, I really love tough because I I really relate to him, um, and so you know hiding a condition and. Um, he and so but being stood up for by stony mm-hmm. and stony is this we, we portray him as a big tough guy but he's actually a pacifist yeah and i think that's really interesting too not stereotyping the characters we also i also like was really interested in strong female characters who um control their destiny and i feel like again i was trying to write material that could be dug into by students by anyone. or by anyone but mm-hmm. in particular because at the time i was thinking about like workshops and and so jewel actually goes to stony in the beginning of the second act and usually romeo and juliet uh, romeo goes to jewel so mm-hmm. i was trying to reverse stuff and I also she, the girls actually start to really question in ne- in um just like normal uh not just like normal um uh which is a song um anyway the the jewel and her her cohorts they um jewel is supposed to be married to basalt but she's going it just doesn't feel right but they're saying go along with it you know it'll Mm -hmm. be it'll be fine but she's questioning already so the whole theme of asking questions and these girls who are strong they're hunters so at the beginning one of the characters side character pumice comes in with a rod of mice she's a hunter you know, like really cool and they're very strong. And um, so that is another theme that I, I, I wanted to reverse character stereotypes and reverse this co- overall concept that we have of female characters having to be stereotyped in a certain way um, and also male characters um, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we suggest a, you know, relationship between Felspar and Basalt at the end we, there's all sorts of ways it can be played and 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 um, played with the, these characters. So, um, and I love this um, like idea of reversing characters and having like uh, turning around the stereotypical characters uh, because one can listen to that through the cast recording, like through the 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 music and through the the songs, one can feel that. Uh, yeah. Like you just said, Stony um, 
is portrayed as this really tough guy, but in the end, it's a pacifist and it's a sweetheart. Um, yeah. And he ends up standing up for his friends. Uh, or uh, Jewel and, and her cohorts um, are this really strong female characters, and one can listen to that through the songs. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad that that that's you 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 get all that. I love that. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, so as I, you know, I continued to develop motivically in the summer and I was really just had a sketch pad of like I go piano and I write motifs and then I st- then I brought my guitar and I actually I'm not really a guitar player but I I studied guitar as an as a kid and classical guitar and um I actually started getting blisters on my fingers <laughs> as the song goes. Um so uh I started incorporating a lot of guitar and I felt like it sort of the tone started to feel right to me. Mm-hmm. So the so guitar bass, and I have a sort of progressive rock background too. Uh, so I started thinking, well, I shouldn't really be afraid to like, you know, delve into like stuff that you know resonates with me and might resonate with these characters. I started actually thinking. Oh, I'm going to keep all the instruments natural. They're going to all be like this. Going to be no electronics, you know. It's going to be real pure, like natural, you know. Everything with skins and nylon strings and everything, you know. But that ended pretty quickly when I added trombones, yeah, <laughs> electric guitars, and then it's like, oh, okay. Look at this palette of, you know, it transcends time. You know, the stone. It's the Stone Ages, but you know, we're talking about a story that should transcend sort of um trying to be a purist mm-hmm. and it's a, it's so. a it's a universal story so it works with with electronic um instruments yeah it it just works yeah and i like i was you know i've been in the studio with you know other shows like scrooge where i've had the whole orchestra in front of me mm-hmm. but this is in, in the pandemic this was totally different yeah. And I just treated it like a pop record. So it ended, it started up pretty simple with me having tracks I'd used in, um, in a work in the workshop that w- was part of this whole development process. And I took those tracks and I started uh, they were kind of my basis. Um, there were a lot of MIDI drums, which I replaced with live drums. There, there was a bunch of bass, which I got, you know, bassist to, you know, cover all. So I, I did have a, I had a one full two, like one and a half day session in New York pre-pandemic with the drummer and bassist. And we laid down a ton of tracks. I wanted to ask um, you actually uh, about the, the cast recording you did. You all did this through or during the pandemic, right? It actually started slightly before the pandemic in mm-hmm. February of 2020 with um, Antonio Cipriano, was actually um, the first in the studio. And he actually recorded in three different places because after the pandemic, he went, he was near Tennessee. He was in North Carolina. So he drove up to Tennessee. He recorded some more there. And then he ended up in LA Mm -hmm. and he recorded more there too. So um, so to answer your question, yeah, like started um, recording started in uh, New York pre-pandemic i had a rehearsal with christina pre-pandemic but then the pandemic hit everyone scattered 
And then we did a remote recording much later in July uh, of all her stuff. Um, Telly, um, he came over to my apartment. I was in Harlem then in actually December of 2019. We had a rehearsal and wait. Yeah, so he actually, I think he was the first. We, we recorded at Douglas Studio with him in, in Brooklyn and he laid down his songs in January, late January of, yeah. So he was the first actually. Um, so, so a few singers pre-pandemic and then it was just like, boom and when it hit it was like everyone left the city it was like yeah. so crazy i mean we really it was like exodus from the- <laughs> it was so crazy i remember the day like it was like um when lisa and i said well, you know we better just you know new york shutting down basically um let's go back up to burlington and i remember like the that subway ride to no one was on the, on the subway mm-hmm. it was like crazy and then um the Uber driver I got was like coughing away. I was going, hmm, should I be worried? You know? <laughs> so, I, so I cracked open the window <laughs> um, and then I rented a car. That's a, I'm digressing here. But um, uh, so yeah, pre-pandemic recordings and then ended up the rest um, virtually. And it was actually very cool because honestly, there's really not a heck of a lot of difference when you can talk to the, it's like you and me now, mm-hmm. I can talk to you. So if you're singing a phrase and it's like, no, can you like be a little more like sad and heartfelt in that? And, you know, yeah. and it's boom, it's right. It's like I'm in the other room. So with recording, I feel, um, you know, there's really not, there wasn't really, you know, doing it in a pop way where you're layering stuff, it really doesn't affect too much and it's actually you know it's kind of cool in a way because um well i think for the composers and and producers because they can kind of you know be really hyper focused in their not have to like spend an hour in traffic getting all frustrated and Mm -hmm. blah 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 Mm -hmm. they're hyper focused on the material and so i think for me i i feel like one hangover from the covid thing is that I'll probably still do a bunch of virtual sessions because I'm on on track to do Scrooge next um, and I'll do some live, but I feel like I could do a lot of it, you know, virtually. And that means the palette of um, artists too, because, mm-hmm. you know, wherever they are, they, you know, no one has to, you know, spend two days to get wherever they're yeah. going. So. I, I, I wanted to um, ask you, now that the cast recording is out, and everyone can listen to it on streaming platforms. Where is the musical headed next? Do you want to look for the funds and produce it? Do you want to do and try to do an out of town run or an off Broadway run? Uh, where yeah. do you want to go with this musical? Yeah, I mean, one of the prime reasons for doing the you know creating a cast recording was to have it in a permanent place. Not that it, not that the show is fixed mm-hmm. i think every every show changes once they get into production stage yeah. but having it in a fixed place with um clear clear story like in the in the in the in the digital liner you get a pretty clear um sense of the story if you download the album yeah and <laughs> <laughs> you'll get the digital liner i'm not plugging that by, by any means <laughs> but um so um that i think for producers 
their their time is limited. They're looking at a lot of stuff to be able to go easily to a place where they can listen to the music and say, hey, this is cool. I'd like to get involved. So sure, I am totally, you know, I, I feel like, number one, I would love colleges and high schools. I'd like to get this to licensing because I think it'd be super fun. It has a really universal message. Yeah. I think it has educational value with the message. And I think vocally it could be very interesting for the kids because there's a lot of different material, choral, like different, but I mean, choral material. There's, there's challenging, some mm -hmm. challenging tenor stuff too, as you maybe heard in like some of the pieces Antonio sang, which, yeah. you know, can be really great uh, for, for, so I think educationally, I'd love to see it out there. And I, I think, um, you know, the whole Broadway off Broadway touring again, I, think it would do well um and i th i think i think it would be loved by a lot of people but you don't know and i do i think um so i am you know i'm, I'm open to developing it so yeah your your producers in colombia hit me up <laughs> <laughs> um but i actually i actually um am i i have been producing tours myself as you know and I feel like at this stage where I'm at now, I am wanting to back away. So I am looking for a lead producer for the show. Um, someone who can shepherd it through, through the channels of, of um, financing and, uh, you know, um, off Broadway or, or tryouts or more development. So that's in my mind because I feel like, and I think a lot of creators, creative artists feel like this way is that, it's difficult to balance the business and creative. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it's great to have someone just taking care of those elements and it lets yeah. freeze one to be more creative and to do the changes that need to be made or to pursue other creative avenues to keep healthy creatively. So that's, that's where I'm at with that, with, with, with Stonecrossed. So, and, and I feel like, you know, a lot of, I always have been approached and uh, by singers, like, where can I listen to your stuff? Where can I, you know, um, sing the music? Um, how can, you know, sheet music? And so I feel like it's the start for me of, of sort of documenting the stuff. So it can be in a place people can find. I want to have the sheet music online so they can find that and enjoy the material mm -hmm. and hopefully useful for them too. So, yeah. Well, Philip, I love this. Um, my last question for you is, if someone wants to contact you, what is the best way to get a hold of you? I think um, nystage at gmail.com. That's n-y-s-t-a-g-e at gmail.com. Um, that's, that's a great way. You can also go to pdstern.com. That's the website. Um, and... I think you can look up stonecrossmusical.com too to get Stonecross stuff. And you can go to Broadway Records yeah. also to actually get the album and iTunes and all those other, other platforms. So, yeah. yeah. So listeners, now you know if you want to work or you want to sing something that Philip has uh, created, go to his website and check out Stonecrossed on their Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and please do yourself a favor and listen to that amazing cast recording. Philip, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming over. Thank you, Martin. I so appreciate it. I know that it will be great, um, and I cannot wait to see where Stonecrossed goes. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. 
Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.